0: what is up guys i'm your host ron greathouse another episode of the stress out podcast today it's going to be myself it's going to be matt bomb he hosts a podcast called lethal podcast and we're going to be talking about bows and we're going to be talking about arrows and we'll probably talk more about arrow weight and stuff like that but in all of that there's a lot of great detail in there and matt was just slap full of information so hope y'all enjoy it um, right now it's uh, July it's July the 4th so happy Independence Day hope everybody had a safe holiday and y'all will be hearing this a day after so still a holiday but hope y'all enjoy it and if you will once you get done listening to this episode go and check us out on Facebook check us out on YouTube uh, Instagram and want, you can either keep listening to us here on Anchor, or you can go and find us on any other of the main podcasting platforms. So, hope y'all enjoy. Let's get to it. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Strut South Podcast. We are on episode forty, and today. I guess since we're all getting ready for deer season and we're all making plans, we might need to talk a little bit about um, what we're going to shoot those deer with and uh, talk about bows and stuff like that. And to talk about that today, I got Matt Baum, which that is how you say your last name, right?
1: Yeah, okay. yeah, that's it. Like, I like
0: think with the German spelling. Awesome i'm glad i got it right but we got matt Baum on here and uh i are gonna talk to him today what's up matt oh
1: not much another another day day before the fourth already looking forward to doing a whole lot of nothing tomorrow and uh
0: hanging out with family mm, man that sounds nice yeah I, I was gonna ask if you had any plans i don't uh i don't have any plans i have to work so oh yeah that's a uh...
1: I try and normally keep a pretty low profile, not, not too many plans going on for the fourth. I like to just fly under the radar and, and not do much and make sure that my house doesn't burn down
0: from my, uh, from my neighbors acting stupid. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but we wanted to get you on here today, Matt, because, uh, for, for everybody out there listening, Matt has a, uh, hosts a podcast called the lethal podcast, um, so kind of I guess let us know about lethal and uh what all you guys are trying to do there yeah um so the whole the
1: whole idea of lethal podcast really started probably three or four years ago i got uh I got hooked up with a group of guys that uh were focusing more on uh heavier setups with a higher front of center, and we can talk about stuff like that later if you want to but it was basically a, a group of guys that were kind of bucking the status quo of what, you know, you'd normally see people using for uh, for typical hunting setups, especially on whitetail. Uh, so uh, we, we, you know, we, I, I being a, an analytical and scientific kind of minded guy, I, I started looking at the results from guys who were shooting these arrows and I just couldn't, couldn't believe some of the stuff that was going on. So, uh, I dove in head first and, uh, uh got involved with these group of guys that, that work on this kind of stuff and, and do some, do some studies and, uh, uh, like to research all this and keep track of stats. And, uh, then the podcast was really born out of that. We were all kind of waiting around for two or three years for somebody to start a podcast. And then I was just like, well, I guess, I guess I'll do it. So we're, uh, <laughs> so we're 20 episodes deep now. And, uh, <laughs> uh, things are things are going well. We've got to we've got to talk to a lot of really cool guys and uh had some had some great guests on and sharing some good knowledge and you know, really like uh, I guess if you were to really like summarize what the podcast is about, we're we're just really proponents of shooting uh heavier arrows and heavier broadheads as long as uh as long as you can uh, uh as long as you're happy with the trajectory. Uh we've we've been finding direct correlations with people having a uh, better success rates when they, when they step up their arrow game and, uh, uh, along with, uh, you know, uh, good tuning capabilities and stuff like that out of your bows. So focus podcast, but we're going to expand out a little bit to, uh, to cover just mountaineering and, uh, and even, uh, rifle stuff, uh, down the road as well. So we're pretty excited.
0: Awesome. Yeah. I, I, I tell you that's, um, it's a lot of great information um, in y'all's podcast. I know I came across it. It's been uh, maybe a few months ago now, and I, I mean that's how we met was through the podcast world. And uh, mm-hmm. it, um, I know, I, like you said, you're up to twenty episodes now, and I remember y'all were like on episode three or four, maybe six or something like that when. Uh, yeah, we're we're pretty know, we're uh, pretty green when we started talking. Yeah. Oh, hey, hey, I, you go back and listen and I I apologize to anybody out there that goes back and listens to my episodes from, from about one through six. (laughs) It was, uh, it was, you could definitely tell it was, it was a learning experience for me. (laughs) Oh yeah. No,
1: it's uh, a, it, there's a bit of a learning curve with getting set up on podcasts for sure. And, uh. You know, like like we talked about earlier, I I work in the IT industry, so uh, it was a bit of a shorter learning curve for me, just because I'm I'm kind of surrounded by this stuff uh throughout the day. But um, man, really, like if if people are passionate about something, uh, getting a podcast off the ground isn't as difficult as people would think it is. And when you have hosts like Anchor, uh, like what we use, it's completely free. It Doesn't cost anything. So. Yeah, uh, no, no, no excuse uh, to not do it if you
0: want to. Yeah, yeah, I will say like it was for me, the the, the actual setting it up and doing that, that was that wasn't really a problem for me. <clears throat> but for me, it was just more of being comfortable talking. <laughs> that was mm-hmm. probably my biggest thing. <laughs> and uh, you could definitely tell I, I was enunciating way too much. <laughs> um but yeah uh we'll go ahead and get get into the actual podcast here but first we'll do a uh, we'll do a rapid fire Q and A. yeah yeah i heard i heard uh, a
1: couple of these so i'm i've i came i came mental uh, uh m- mentally agile to try and answer some of these questions
0: awesome awesome <laughs> so so since you've heard a few you know you know the rundown all right um I got one more. I'm thinking of. I don't know. I probably think of it on a on a whim because I try to keep them as random as I can. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, get, go for it. I'm I'm always um, down for a good random question. Um. All right. Compound bow or traditional bow? Oof.
1: Um. <coughs> I have sh- I have shot a compound. January, but the January were. Yeah, it's actually we can. We can get into this story later if you want, but I have fallen in love with shooting traditional bows. And this has come from somebody that has bow hunted for a long time and I still have a compound and it normally sits in its case in my office and doesn't get shot very much. And my recurve is shot basically every day. And so I, there's something about uh, a single string Uh, that that just gets me, but I enjoy
0: both. But as of right now, traditional has my heart. Hmm. All right, um, fixed or mechanical broadhead?
1: Well, if you listen to the podcast at all, uh, so uh, I'm definitely a fixed blade guy. There are some mechanicals out there that are better than others, um, but I've just, uh, you know, I and I know uh people uh you know like the juries like the lakoskis just murder everything with mechanicals but uh i've I've just had too many horror stories uh between uh all the people that i that I know and hunt with uh, with mechanicals to to really uh give them a chance on any big game anymore so I stick with fixed blades hmm.
0: okay yeah I, I, there's a there's actually an a uh, uh podcast i've been listening to um and they talk about uh broadhead that they use um the white tail it's white tail legacy and uh they've been using like uh i think they're called veteran broadheads um yeah the, the veteran vip yeah and and i think some mm-hmm. some i'm not 100 percent sure but it's like it can shoot as a fixed blade or mechanical or something like that hmm. So the veteran is a uh, um, it, it's probably one of the better
1: designed uh, um, mechanicals that are out there. One of the things that I do like about it is that even so it is a mechanical, quote unquote, right. when it opens. Uh, um, but if it doesn't open, it's still like an inch and a quarter cut, uh, which is pretty wide for an unopened mechanical. Uh, mm-hmm. And they use 440C, which is a pretty a pretty good steel uh it's a stainless it's a uh, japanese uh grade uh um stainless steel that's used for like high-end cutlery uh so yeah they're they're probably one of the better uh, uh mechanicals that are out there and i think they make one that's like 175 grains uh so mm. if if i were to sh- if i were to shoot a mechanical that would probably be one of my top choices
0: yeah that's like shooting a freight train mm-hmm. <laughs> yep <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, wait Wait till you hear some of my other broadhead wait. don't make you blush <laughs> alright
0: uh, still in the uh, rapid fire here alright uh, favorite biscuit
1: oof man I don't even know I don't know what she uses but my grandma makes some biscuits that are just out of control I think if they start as like an like a out of the can biscuit but she like she takes the whole thing out of the can and then she mixes it with more stuff uh, so I think it, I think it starts as like a Pillsbury like uh, buttermilk biscuit, but she puts, man, I want to say she puts like may or uh, ranch. She puts ranch dressing in it and uh, something else. I can't remember what it is, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, a, a buttermilk with uh, and she
0: adds some ranch to it, and man, it's it's something else. Mm. Yeah, you you really can't go wrong. Any any type of breakfast that ends in the word biscuit is probably gonna mm. be good. Oh, yeah. Biscuits and gravy is, like, my
1: number one uh, pre-hunt meal of choice. Mm. All right. Uh,
0: One state that you'd like to hunt? Ooh. Well,
1: Alaska is kind of a too easy answer for me. Uh, So, um, a state besides Alaska. Uh, I think I would really like to hunt somewhere up north like minnesota northern wisconsin like as close to canada as i can get uh there's just some monster monster white tail up there i mean a white tail that are pushing 300 pounds on the hoof. so i'm uh I'd, I'd really like to you know we get pretty big deer here in missouri but it's not it ain't like that so i i'd really like to uh hunt uh the the northern northern part of the u.s probably northern minnesota or northern wisconsin
0: yeah, I think if if I could choose, I mean, I can hunt deer or turkeys pretty much. I mean, it's pretty much feasible. If mm-hmm. I really wanted to, I could pretty much hunt them anywhere if I, you know, if I really wanted to. But I think if you if, if somebody asked me that or somebody asked me what hunt would I love to go on the most, I, w- I think I would probably want to go and hunt a stag in like yep. New Zealand or something like mm-hmm.
1: that. Yeah. New, Z- New, New Zealand red stag is definitely on my bucket list too. Yeah.
0: I watched um, what's the, what's their names? Uh, gosh, their first name is I'm drawing a blank with their first name, but the, the last name is Sin uh, Cerillo, or I think I'm pronouncing that right. I don't um, know. Oh, gosh, I can't remember their names. People out there listening, y'all might know what I'm talking about, but man, I, it got me hooked. Whenever I saw them hunting, it was a hunt on TV and I saw them hunting over there and I think they were in New Zealand and they were hunting those red Mm -hmm. stags. It was, it was pretty amazing. Oh yeah. Well,
1: the red stag roar is so different from, from an elk bugle, even though they're pretty similar animals. And, uh, yeah, I think the, the hunt that made me be like, yeah, that's on my bucket list is, uh uh Josh Bomar hunted one and in that hunt that stag just like crests over this hill and just lets lets out this this huge roar It just sounds like a dinosaur is right in front of him and I was like yeah mm. I'm try I'm
0: trying to hunt one of those so it's mm. it's on the list <laughs> yeah yeah um well, we'll go ahead and get right into the, talking about some archery and stuff um so I mean, I kind of didn't really make up a game plan for this episode for those that are listening. So we're just going to wing this. And, uh, my first welcome, Welcome
1: to every episode of Lethal Podcast where we just wing the
0: entire thing. <laughs> sometimes, hey, sometimes you just got to. <laughs> it works out. It works yeah, out. Yeah. Um, I mean, really the, the biggest thing that's kind of on my mind right now is, um, Cause I was telling you before we started that I would listened to one of your guys episodes about shot sequence. And, um, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. I think, I think the best thing to start with, I guess would be if somebody is looking to get into bow hunting for the first time, mm-hmm. what do you think would be the best route well uh, i
1: would go to well actually i wouldn't go to your local pro shop first the first thing i would do is ask a couple of shooters that you trust what pro shop they would recommend because uh, I, unfortunately there are good pro shops and poor pro shops so uh um i i would start by talking to some people that you trust figure out what pro shops that they're that they're into um, and then, uh, look up what that pro shop carries. So what I would encourage people to do is to try multiple bows, um, that, that are within their price range. So like if you, you know, if you have more of an entry level price where you just want to get a, get into a bow that's, you know, 500 bucks all in, um, then go into a shop and being able to shoot, you know, like the, the Hoyt that's really adjustable or the mission that's really adjustable, or the bear that's really adjustable or the the diamond or bow tech that's really adjustable. Uh, Being able to shoot those four or five, six bows and compare them uh, is going to help you a lot in the beginning. Because if you end up with a bow that just doesn't, the draw cycle doesn't agree with you or the grip doesn't agree with you, you're either going to uh, get frustrated and quit early or you're going to develop poor habits and uh, and either have issues down the road or uh, when you start to wade into better equipment, you're going to have to break those uh, bad habits uh, that "quote unquote" more bargain-based equipment uh, uh, gave you. So as far as choosing a bow, I would uh, the bottom line is get your hands on as many bows as you can, um, and I wouldn't uh, uh, I personally wouldn't go chasing speed um with whatever bow you chase i know speed is the is the cool sexy thing uh with with bows but i mean as as we'll talk about i'm i'm just such a proponent of shooting a a heavier arrow uh that speed doesn't really matter at that at that point it's not like you're um uh, you're not you know you're not, not swinging these logs at 350 feet per second like some of the ibo ratings on these bows you're you know you'll be in the 270s, 260s, maybe 280s if it's fast bow. Or if you're going a little bit lighter, uh, so I would uh, uh, I would find a bow that is comfortable for you and get to a poundage that you can shoot for like 50 shots and not be completely whipped. Uh, you can always work up in poundage. That's not a big deal. So start you know, like if you're if you're a grown man, like there's no shame in starting at 60 pounds or or even lower. You know 50, 55. Uh, uh, depending on the bow. Um, uh, but yeah, I would, uh, uh, when it comes to, when it comes to bows, choose me as you can figure out which one is most comfortable to you and, uh, and go with that one. Um, when it comes to arrows, uh, the number one issue that I see with newer shooters is they get really on these spine charts. I'm sure you've seen those spine charts that are on like the back of the arrow boxes and stuff that tell people what they need. So the problem is these spine charts are only, even then they're only somewhat accurate, but they're only accurate for the stock components and the uh, um, what typically a hundred grain broadhead, which is your most typical broadhead weight. But the problem is if you start shooting... Uh, a heavier insert so if you go from like a standard 15 grain insert to a 50 grain brass insert or if you go from a 100 grain broadhead to 125 grain broadhead then that uh, uh, spine chart on the back completely goes out the window and people will act really really lost and they don't know what to do so a good rule of thumb if you are uh if you're hunting whitetail size game and you're looking to build an arrow. That's uh, I would encourage people to try and get around 500 grains if they can. I I prefer heavier, but I I understand everyone doesn't want to do that. Uh, but I would I would try and try and hit 500 grains if if you can. It's not nearly as difficult as you think it is. You can you can uh, uh, I hell half the stock components for arrows anymore comes with uh, uh, um, uh, heavier uh, options if you want them. You'll pay a little bit more for them, but uh, if you are, if you're hunting whitetail size game, a 300 spine arrow is what I would probably recommend unless you have a, uh, unless you've got monkey arms and you're, you're shooting like a 32 inch draw and 70, 80 pounds, then maybe a stiffer spine than that. But a 300 spine, uh, is going to be good for most people, uh, most guys, I should say, uh, that, uh, that want to shoot, uh, something even a little bit heavier. And even if you don't want to shoot heavier, Uh, it's easier to, without, so without too much detail. So when you tune your arrows, you want uh, um, something called the correct dynamic reaction. And a dynamic reaction is really just like, how, how does your arrow react when it comes out of the bow? And it's easier to tune an arrow that is a little stiff than one that, that is a little weak. So, if you get a 300 spine arrow and you don't want to go with a heavier insert and you All right, don't want
0: to go with a to bring you word from the sponsor. 400 to 450 grain totally um, And the sponsor is Onyx Hunt Maps. And guys, if you, if, if you don't have Onyx, you should really try it out spine. and use it. And then, if it is you get out you're going to go out it's west. A, it's uh, a great mapping system. For me, I find the most use, I get the most use out of it, hunting turkeys on public it is great is for private land, what you um, it's great for hunting this white tails because you can use
1: pro chops uh, and especially a topo feature and you put a filter on there uh, uh, and it allows you to look at a hybrid map are with to that topo than overlay than
0: most other and spines. It, you'll that's typically just, man, uh, that feature in itself is
1: 400, uh, gold and then I would say the next best feature after that. Because if you hunt public land, as much because is, people get so it'll, it shows you
0: all the areas the the that box. you have access to these, to, hunt. Lot stores don't carry them so to hunt. So you can go from there. If you're you, trying to plan a hunt, hunt to some, on public can ground, do it. you, just have you to can go and find, so on that uh, app, you see uh, it. So then you can go and find out how you can get your permits or whatever you need to get to be able to hunt
1: that. That's just really two great features of lot
0: of features so hope you guys try it out and let's get back to the show Man, that's pretty, uh, that's pretty deep there. Um, (laughs) let's, uh, well, we'll we'll back up just a little there and Mm -hmm. because there may, there may be some people out there that are, that are going, man, like I I don't even, like, I've never even shot a bow. Like, I don't know what, what inserts are. I don't, I don't understand what spine means. And, um, If you're like, that's, I would say that's kind of one of those steps that you would take after you've become comfortable with the bow you've, you've picked out. Sure. Um, And then that's when you want to start getting into, okay, let me see how good, once you're comfortable with that bow and you know that that's the bow you want to shoot. Then that's when you would probably be like, all right, let me let me dig in a little deeper here, and I'll figure out how I can make this bow perform to the best that I can make it perform yeah, with arrows absolutely. and stuff like that. Um,
1: no, yeah, I mean, there's, there,
0: there's there's definitely nothing wrong with
1: starting with the uh, uh, you know some more affordable arrows, uh, you know, just uh, the cheapest whatever they've got at the uh, at the pro shop or. Big box stores. It will will be plenty for you to uh, to shoot, and because uh, especially starting off, you're going to lose some. It's just part of part of starting uh, bow hunting. You aren't you aren't oh, yeah. going to keep all, all your arrows, and uh, yeah. it definitely can be frustrating for sure. Because I've got I've gotten a couple of my friends into bow hunting the last couple of years, and uh, they'll be like, "Oh, I just ordered these new." victory extortions i'm like man those are those are really nice arrows and then a month later they're like yeah i already lost three and i'm like oh that sucks <laughs> yeah <laughs> and, uh, i'm like yeah there, there goes 60 bucks down the drain uh but uh yeah so the, i, I you, you're right i should clarify that there there's if you're if you're just getting started um there's nothing wrong with picking up you know some some of those five to you know five dollar arrows at walmart to uh, to figure out what uh, uh what you really like and to figure out what you think you want to improve on on your arrow for sure.
0: Yeah. And I don't I mean I don't know is it I guess once you would I mean I'm not that analytical when it comes to bows but would that make a difference like once you picked out a bow and then you later decided hey I maybe need to get a heavier arrow or anything like that would that make a difference maybe maybe i do need to get a different bow if i want to shoot this arrow or i mean i don't know would that make a difference uh, um man for modern compounds not really to be
1: honest with you uh i mean it, even if you go with uh, uh you know they're like really adjustable ones like I, I can't remember i think it's the Hoyt clash i think is the current is the like most current one my wife has a previous model and i can't I can't remember what it's called, uh, but um, it goes, you know, from a you know a twenty-two inch draw length up to a thirty-one inch, and goes down to you know thirty pounds up to seventy. Uh, so this is a ball, uh, a bow that like literally from a fifth grader to like an NFL linebacker could shoot. It's it's that adjustable, and even though. So when you create something that has a ton of adjustability just from an engineering perspective, you end up losing a little bit of like top end performance, but even these bows that are like really, really adjustable are still like they're way faster than the majority of bows were 10 years ago. And, and that like, I mean, so point being, there's no, there's no, uh, I don't foresee a reason to where you're like, Oh, like I want to, shoot a uh, an arrow that's 50 grains heavier or 100 grains heavier i have to go buy a whole new bow uh, unless you are r- like really 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 trying to squeeze every bit of performance out of that arrow that you can i don't think it's necessary and especially if you're a new bow hunter there uh, there's nothing wrong with keeping that bow around for a couple years to really find out what you want in your next bow uh and and then just you know w- wait a minute there's uh there's been a lot of uh, um, a lot of bows uh, or a lot of animals laid down by bows that are a couple years old, and really, to be honest with, you, not to you know, I, I try and promote my my local pro shops as much as much as I can because you know without them the hunting industry is going to die. Uh, but um, man, the used bow market is phenomenal right now. You can buy a oh, flagship yeah. uh, a two year old flagship bow. That when you were gonna buy it was anywhere from 1000 thousand to twelve hundred dollars. You can go buy one of those right now on Facebook, Archery Talk, anywhere else for four to five hundred bucks. Yeah. And and this is a bow that will that I I literally don't see a reason why anyone would need a new bow for probably another ten years uh, because realistically yeah. tech, technology just hasn't changed that much. So um, yeah. If you if I would I would highly suggest looking at the used market. The problem is if you've never shot one then you don't really know what it feels like unless you have a buddy that has one. So if you got a buddy, they're about the same draw length as you, uh, you know, uh, under, under some good supervision, go shoot their, shoot their bow with them. And and if you like it, then try and find one in the used market and then you can, you can kind of upgrade yourself immediately from one of those entry level bows.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, this, it has changed. It's not like it used to be, I'd say. And, Even the early two thousands, I would say, especially in the last ten years, mm-hmm. maybe maybe even the last fifteen years is when, but like bow engineering really took a huge step forward, and it's like they make they're making bows so efficient now mm-hmm. that, like you saying, like they're they're gonna last, but well, that's the only, I would say the only downside to new bows, or, well, bows in general, is they're kind of like, they're almost like collars. As, <laughs> yeah. soon as, yep. you, as soon as you take them off the lot, they lose their value by almost half.
1: Yep. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they really do. They really do. And, and, and the, the guys that want to shoot the newest bow every year will practically give these things away. Because the the new bow is at the shop and they have to have it. So if you yeah. if you can uh, around uh, the summer and fall when guys are are buying these new bows that are just coming out, if you can have a couple hundred bucks laying around, you can you can get uh, some pretty pretty good deals.
0: Yeah. All right. So all right. So now now that we say I'm I'm a new hunter and I've got my bow picked out and. I might still be, you know, figuring out what, what arrows I need to shoot or what I want to shoot. Mm-hmm. Um, which this would actually go, you would actually probably do this before you even tried to think about what arrows you want to shoot is you would want to probably figure out what kind of sights you would want. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, and uh,
1: you know, obviously we're speaking for the compound world, uh, recurves or traditional guys don't, don't use sights too much, but Um, yeah, so there's basically two main types of sites. There are, uh, multi pins where you'll have three, five, seven, uh, and really now that that used to be that, the, like everyone made a three, five and a seven pin site. And now, and now there's like fours and sixes and like every other number. So you can really do whatever you want. Um, and then there are single pins. So there's a multi pin and a single pin. And typically, single pins are sites that you can, uh, you will have a slider, more or less, to be able to move that site housing up and down. Whereas a, a multi-pin site, wherever you bolt it in, that's where it's at, and it doesn't really move. Uh, but a, multi- a single pin site, uh, there's uh, a, a roller or you know some type of gear where you can move it up and down. And there's like a tape. Sometimes they're literally like a piece of paper that you tape on or it's a little piece of metal that you you screw into the site uh, and you can uh, uh, move it up and down and be very very precise in your yardage Uh, and and now they've even got hybrid sites where it's it's a multi-pin site and then you use the bottom one uh, the bottom site so it'll be like a five pin site and then you can go ahead and still move your site housing so uh, it's (laughs) the sites are getting crazy they're absolutely nuts um, yeah, but I, I, I prefer personally a single pin just because I don't like my sight picture to be like really crowded. I don't like a ton of stuff in there when I shoot compounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've, I've shot a single pin for probably four years now and I've, I've never had an issue with it. Um, the, the downside to it when you're hunting is, you know, if you range an animal at, uh, 35 yards and then they, you know, you draw back and then they walk behind a tree and they pop out again and they're at 20 yards. Well, if you're using a multi-pin, you just put your 20 yards pin on them and let it rip. But if you're using a single pin, then you kind of have to Kentucky wind it at that point and and guess where, guess where your pin should be. So that is kind of the downside. However, in a real hunting situation with hunting weight arrows, uh, typically if you set that pin at 25 yards, uh, at least for you know, for me here in Missouri, I I normally set it at twenty five yards when I was shooting compound, and uh, I would feel comfortable taking shots anywhere from fifteen yards. I'd you know I'd hold a uh, uh, a couple inches uh, low, and uh, if I was uh, hunting or you know if they were out to thirty five yards, I'd hold, I'd hold a couple inches high, and it you know never had any issues. So that's uh, uh, the the simplicity of a single pin is what. What I like about it, just not a ton of, uh, uh, it, it doesn't make my picture crowded, which is, it just helps my concentration.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I use, I use a multi pan, uh, but it's those, uh, what do you call it? The decreasing diameter. Um, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. so on, on your bottom ones, it's like a 10,000 or something right, like that. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. see. I, uh, unfortunately I'm, I'm still. I'm not that old, but my, my vision uh, working in IT is going a little bit quicker than I'd like it to. Uh, So (laughs) I I actually, but uh, uh, the opposite of what most people do, Uh, when guys get older, they normally go with bigger pin sites, but I feel like I need to see the target better. So I go with a smaller pin. So there's Uh, typically three pin sizes. There's uh, 20, there's 0.29, 0.19 and 0.10. And 2.9 is like a beach ball out front it's huge uh but a lot of old timers like that because especially if you're shooting deer up close it don't matter how big it is but if you're if you're trying to be accurate at longer distances having a smaller pin that doesn't cover up as much the target is really helpful so
0: yeah i like a 10 thousandths pin right yeah i my uh my site i can't remember it's a true glow i don't know the name brand exactly but um it was a five-pin sight, and mm-hmm. but I mean, after shooting it for about, I think the first season, I, and getting comfortable with it, I was like, man, you know what? I'm, I'm not gonna shoot a deer at sixty yards. Like I just know yeah. that I'm not going to. So there's no need in me having a, a fifth pin. And mm-hmm. I, so what I did, I just took one of those pins out completely. And now for my 40, my 30 and my 40 yard, well, actually my 40 and my 50 yard pin, they're like, they're both the, the, that 10, the ten thousandths, and uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it works pretty nice. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah. That's, that's, that's a smart idea, especially, you know, like I said, like me, I don't, I don't really like a crowded sight picture or if you want to, depending on how comfortable you are, comfortable you are with your pin gap, if you want to do. 40 then 45 and 50 so if you yeah. do take a longer shot you aren't you know you don't really have to play the gap in that aspect and you know when you're when you're shooting between 20 and 30 it's not a real big deal but when you go from like 40 to 50 it's it can be a pretty sizable jump so having an additional pin in there uh could could certainly
0: be helpful yeah now i, I will say I, I actually meant this to mention this um before when i would say one a good idea or a tip i guess if you're going out there and you're you're going to a shop which if you're like like you said if you're going to a good bow shop they're going to treat you right and they're going to tell you what you need to know anyway but Mm -hmm. just just for peace of mind i guess if you're say you you go into those bow shops and you're looking through the little the flyers of, you know, all the new bows and all this and that, that those those mm-hmm. magazines or whatever, they're gonna give you like all the specs for that bow. And it's mm-hmm. gonna say, Okay, well this bow shoots three hundred feet per second, this bow shoots three hundred and fifty feet per second, but what it doesn't tell you is it that bow does shoot that fast, but that's with nothing. That's like when they did the tests for that bow. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's correct, right? Yeah, yeah. So, like, that means there was nothing on the bow at all when they shot it. Yep.
1: Yeah. So an IBO. So the thing to remember about IBO ratings, uh, and that's normally what they have. So. It was a little bit before my time, but there used to be something called ATA, which actually made a lot more sense. Uh, but now we have IBO. So an IBO rating is um, five grains per pound uh, on the, uh, for the arrow weight to the draw weight. So what this means is a 70-pound bow uh, shoots a 350-grain arrow at this speed. Uh, so that's five grains per pound if it was a uh um, a six hundred or I'm sorry, if it was a sixty grain uh, my goodness, one of these days I'm gonna get this right. if it was a sixty pound bow and it'd shoot a three hundred grain arrow at that speed. So this is where like the wording kind of gets tricky and you have to kind of pay attention. so bows get uh um oh, and, uh, one other thing it's a thirty inches. so if you don't have a thirty inch draw. It's typically about ten feet per second for every inch shorter that you are. Uh, so, right. for example, right. I'm, I'm a I'm a 28 inch draw. So, if I'm looking at a bow that's a 350 IBO, uh, then automatically I'm already at 330. I I I can't make it go any faster than if I'm shooting it at, at an IBO rating. And you're also right that that is they normally test that with no peep, which is about another 10 15 grains or so and a very light and small D loop. Uh, so they, they do everything that they can to squeeze as much out of these IBO numbers as possible. But the word of caution I was going to throw out is typically uh, they, will do, they will come up with these IBO ratings on 80-pound so So uh, 80-pound 80, 80 limbs, most people don't shoot them. Some people do. Uh, but uh, when you shoot a heavier arrow, so for IBO specs, that would be a 400-grain arrow. When you start going up in arrow weight, it ends up uh, uh, creating a better transfer of energy from the bow to the arrow, so it gets a little bit faster. So even if a bow is rated, it, it'll say something like up to 360 IBO. That's normally on a set of 80 pound limbs. So even if you got a 70 pound set of limbs, like you know, like a a, an, a typical guy would shoot uh, at a 30 inch draw, um, it may not be that fast because they were rated, uh, for a higher draw weight. So, uh, yeah, you have to have to be careful and, and try and understand IBO ratings as best you can.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You just gotta, I would say just, but like you said, I mean, if you're going to a, a good bow shop, they should like, if you have, make sure if you have questions, make sure you ask. Cause they'll, yeah, they'll yeah. give you the, the, the right mm-hmm. answers. Yeah, hundred um,
1: percent. A good pro shop will want to help you out. They don't want to send you out out the door <laughs> with something you don't understand.
0: Right, right. Um, well, I guess, uh, I guess let's talk about. I guess since that's kind of what y'all are built on is you know shooting heavier heavier grainage. Um, I guess we could kind of get into that because I think I may be like a perfect candidate you to kind of explain this to because i'm really really thinking about moving up my arrow weight this season sure um i don't i mean right now i i can't remember i don't to be honest i don't know what my grainage is i cannot remember but it's black eagle arrows and i'm shooting Mm -hmm. um great arrows by the way yeah they are awesome Um, but I'm shooting the black eagles, uh, not the black eagles, the, uh, the carnivores Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. they are, they are super fast. Yeah. It's a pretty uh, light
1: arrow. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really in the, I might be in the market for some heavier arrows. Um, so, I mean, what, what would you suggest? So, Uh, Well, the first thing
1: on Rumway ask people, uh, you know, if they're interested in heavier arrows is if they've ever had a, had an issue where they, uh, where they think that they want a heavier arrow. Like a lot of these guys uh, will, will seek out heavier (coughs) arrows um, after they've, you know, they hit a deer in a shoulder and got no penetration or, uh, or they're, you know, they're about to go out West and they want to, they want to hunt bigger game, So they want a heavier arrow. So typically understanding why is, is where I like to start. Um, but if you, uh, the, the, the why for me, uh, is pretty simple. Um, I don't want to be limited on my shot selection, uh, that, that I am given from an animal. Uh, and I want to be able to take a shot more or less from any angle and, uh, that there are Uh, There have been a lot of studies done that show that uh, once you hit certain thresholds of arrow weight, uh, that bone in uh, North American game just can't hold up to that kind of uh, um, force that's being applied on it from that arrow. So for me, uh, because I don't like I don't get to hunt, you know, I don't get to take off two or three weeks uh, for deer season when it rolls around. I'd love to, but I don't. I'm a weekend warrior. It's what I get. So if a deer walks up to me and gives me either a hard quartering two or a full frontal shot, these are shots that a lot of guys wouldn't take, but I won't even hesitate. I'll, I'll, I'll put one through the pump house in any direction. I'll send it, I'll send it on a Texas style heart shot uh, all the way up and through the chest. I've seen it done. I have a hundred percent confidence that my gear can and will do it. Uh, so, uh, and like, like I said, I shoot, I shoot way heavier than most people do. I shoot, I shoot 650 grains, uh, which is a lot, a lot, for a lot of guys. It's almost double their arrow weight. Uh, uh, but, um, I, I definitely don't think that everyone has to do that, especially on white tail, white tail. Uh, if you don't hit the, the shoulder knuckle or the pelvis, you typically don't have a real big issue. The, the scapula, uh, creates issues for guys sometimes. Uh, but, uh, if you if you can get an arrow uh at that five hundred ish grain range, then you'll be in a way better spot um, so something that we referenced quite a bit is the twelve penetration factors uh this is uh um really created this list was created by a uh a guy named Ed, um who some people love and some people hate. We just happen to be in the camp that really enjoys them uh so The first two things on the 12 penetration factors, and don't worry, I'm not going to run (laughs) you through the whole thing. So if you're listening, you don't have to run off. I'm not going to talk about this for too long. Uh, But the first (laughs) two things are are structural integrity. The arrow and broadhead has to stay together when it impacts something hard. And number two is arrow flight. So out of all of this, I don't want people to think that uh, you just have a remedy of like, oh, I just add more weight in my arrow and everything's good to go. It's not, it's not quite where uh, it's not quite the direction we're trying to point people. Um, If you have an arrow uh, that is heavier, you need to ensure that it has good arrow flight because a lot of these guys will, uh, they'll be like, Oh yeah, I just need a heavier arrow, add 50 grain brass insert, bump up 25 or 50 grains in the broadhead and then go shoot it. And the arrow flight sucks, but they think because it's a heavier arrow and that's cure all. When really a very good flying lighter arrow will probably penetrate more than a poor flying heavier arrow. So whatever you do, just make sure that your arrow flight looks good. Uh, And, and there's, you know, we can, when, when we get closer to, to deer season, I can certainly come back on. We can have a whole episode about just bow tuning if you want. Uh, But uh, um, the, the other important part, number one part of the 12 penetration factors is structural integrity make sure your stuff isn't going to break. Uh, so that's why we, th- there's really two main things that we like to do. We like to shore up the front of the arrow with a better insert or a footer. So an insert for those who uh, may be really, really new to bow hunting is just the part that goes into the front of the carbon tube. That is your arrow. And it's got a uh, um, machine threading on the inside to thread your broadhead into. Uh, these can be made out of different materials, aluminum, brass, stainless steel, uh, you name it there's probably been an insert made out of it so going from a lighter um, you know a typical insert is between 12 to 18 grains to a uh, you know a, a brass insert uh, or even better yet like a, a stainless steel insert from somebody like ethics uh, is really going to help the front of your arrow uh, um, build up durability so if the broadhead doesn't break and then you have some type of like weird force that's applied to your arrow, having that better uh, insert is going to help you tremendously to make sure that that carbon doesn't snap. Um, so shoring up the front of it with a better insert and, and or footer. A footer is uh, uh, what we tell guys to use a lot of times, just an aluminum arrow. You've probably been, uh, aluminums were a bit before my time. They're, they're still, I mean, they're still used for sure. Uh, but you you might remember aluminum arrows, oh yeah, Ryan. oh yeah, uh, um, and and they're great arrows. They're phenomenal. They're super tough. The only problem is they bend. Uh, yeah. Um, so outside of that, they're great. They're heavy. Aluminum arrows or aluminum arrows are nice and heavy. And I I would venture to guess that aluminum arrows have killed probably more animals than carbon will in the next ten years. Uh, um, but because they bend, they make uh, uh, poor long term hunting arrows. But the good news is you can still buy aluminum arrows and they're really cheap. Like you can buy uh, an aluminum arrow for like $4 and then you can take these arrows and you can cut, uh, um, cut them into small pieces that are like two inches long and use it as a footer. So you can slip it over the front of that carbon and glue that on there. And it really protects the front of that because so then it it essentially kind of full metal jacket. A lot of these have, have heard of full metal jacket arrows which I'm not a huge fan of, but the aluminum wrapping over the carbon is actually a really good idea in the aspect of shoring up the front of your arrow. So a footer or a good and, and or a good insert is a really really good idea. Um, and and typically you can you can bump up uh, if you have the proper spine, if you have a stiff enough <coughs> spine. Uh, so you could take your carnivore, um, add a. 50 grain brass insert. So take out your insert, um, which by the way, a lot, so a lot of guys don't throw your arrows away just yet. Um, if you have an insert that was glued in there and you're like, well, I don't know how to get this thing out. Uh, if you take a drill bit that's like the same size as your, as the inside of your arrow, take out your knock, drop that drill bit in there and swing your arrow like it's a baseball bat make sure you're somewhere in a basement or in a garage or something <laughs> where you won't break anything uh but that that drill bit will knock that insert out uh and it's a good way to because it, it doesn't really hurt the carbon because it's just sliding down the tube yeah uh, and it'll knock that insert out so then you can add a 50 grain brass insert a little footer that's like two inches long it'll be another 15 grains and boom, you've already added 65 grains here into your air weight, which for some guys is plenty. You don't have to do anything else. Yeah. Uh, um, so you're probably around, I would guess, a 400 grain range, maybe 375. Carnivores are kind of light. Uh, so that would be that. Yeah, mine are at...
0: 400. Yeah, I just, I just checked. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. So there you go. So you're at 400 <clears throat> grains right now. So like, let's just say you did that. So then you're really adding 50 grains because you take out the insert that's 15, you add a footer that's 15, that washes out, and then you add your 50-grain brass insert. So now you're at 450, which is good. That's a good, that's a really, really good start. Uh, so then, if you want to, you can take your current broadhead that you have, which most people shoot a 100-grain broadhead, and start looking at uh, some other broadheads. I prefer fixed blade, but there are a couple of uh, expandables out there, um, which can work and typically it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure this out the more material you have so the heavier the broadhead is typically the tougher it is to break uh, uh you know obviously if you take a piece of uh you know quarter uh um all thread uh you know you can typically uh, a person can just take that and bend it and you know it's not a real big deal if you take a piece of three quarter inch all thread you can't bend it because <laughs> it's, it's yeah. there's a lot there's a lot more material there so when you go to from a 100-grain to a 125 or 150-grain head, you get your uh, heads that have way more structural integrity than your typical 100-grain heads. And the, the thing that people think, a lot of these people think that when you start moving up in broadhead weight, uh, or, or arrow tip weight, I should say, that, uh, that things start to get really expensive, when really they don't. You can get really, really nice broadheads from companies like VPA or uh, Cutthroat uh, for the, the exact same price you're paying now—forty bucks for a three-pack. Uh, nothing, nothing crazy. Now, I, I, I have some higher-end broadheads that I won't, I won't tell my wife how much they cost, but uh, <laughs> um, they're, uh, uh, but you know, they, they can, they can get pricey. But you don't have to spend Buku bucks to get heavier broadheads if you don't want to. And frankly, I think VPA is a phenomenal brand. It's it's certainly worth looking at if you are interested in going to a uh, um, uh, going to a heavier arrow. Actually, what you should listen to, Ryan. I don't know if you've listened to this episode or not. Is the Ball on a Budget episode? Uh, we, we so all three of us took. We were given like more or less an assignment to build a cheap arrow setup that we would recommend. And Black Eagle actually ended up being like the most used arrow. Go figure. Uh, sure. They're really, really good, and they're not—they're not crazy expensive. So, fully support them. Uh, and and we talked about VPA's, and there's another uh, broadhead company called Simmons. Um, uh, uh, there's some some good companies out there. So, heavier broadhead, heavier insert. If you've got the spine to handle it, then you're good to go. And an easy way to check this. Sorry, I, I, I keep rambling. These, this is why our our podcast end up being like two hours every time. Because oh man, hey, I uh, <laughs> I'm I'm completely fine with it. Uh, an easy way to check this is to get something called a, a uh, field point test pack. So uh, you can you can get these from uh, from ethics, from Grizzly Stick, uh, from Dynamic Archery Solutions. All, all these companies will sell a test pack of broadheads to you, or not broadheads. I'm sorry, uh, field points. So they'll send you field points that are like 100, 125, 150, 175, 200, and like 300 grains if, you, if you're feeling kind of crazy like me. Uh, so you can start to screw in these broadheads. So if you're like, okay, I want to add 50 grains to my current setup. Will this arrow fly right? So you can, or am I happy with this trajectory? So you can just take that 150 grain tip and, and put that into your arrow instead of 100 grain and you can shoot them back to back and see what the trajectory difference looks like. And spoiler alert, there isn't as big a trajectory difference as people think there are. People think that when you shoot heavier arrows, you're shooting rainbows out of there. It's it's not the case. It's really not a huge difference. Your Your zero will change a little bit from your zero to 20, <clears throat> but your pin gaps don't open up hardly any more than they already were. Because this arrow is retaining energy a lot better downrange because it's heavier. So, but point being, if you, you can spend 10 bucks, buy one of these field point test packs, and really find out this is the heaviest that I can go on the front of this arrow. So now I can evaluate, you know, I can add 50 grains. So if I do that, then all I'm gonna do is add this brass insert, add my footer, and I'm good. That's as heavy as I can go. Oh, I can add 75 grains the footer and i'll step up to 125 grain broadhead oh i can go up 100 grains and i still am comfortable with the trajectory and i am uh still getting good aero flight well now i can go to 150 grain broadhead and a better uh brass insert and footer so depending and there, there really isn't one uh like a one size fits all remedy for this because there are some people that are already shooting like a weak spine like if you're a full grown man you're shooting you know 30 inch straw, 70 pounds and you're shooting a 400 spine uh, uh, which is pretty weak uh, you, you aren't going to be able to go up much uh, but if you're you know you're oh I bought these arrows and they're already a 300 spine and I didn't even know it you don't have to throw those arrows away they're totally totally useful uh, and and you can you can you can stack weight on the front and, and build a nice good heavy arrow for uh, for whitetail and be uh, very very proficient with it
0: hmm.
1: So yeah, sorry
0: about that. Oh uh, no, no, that's like a skip- Fifteen minute rant. <laughs> oh man, that was good. That was really good. Um, well, you were talking about spine there. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I I listened to one of y'all's episodes. I think it was like myths or something like that. And uh, mm-hmm. archery myths, yeah. I don't know if you, I can't remember if y'all were talking about grains or spine. I can't remember, but. I think y'all said something about like there's like a myth out there that you know if you shoot this size arrow, oh, well, that's too much arrow for the weight you're shooting, or it's not enough, or something like that. So mm-hmm. kind of if you can kind of explain that. So I think that particular myth was the uh, there
1: there is you're shooting too heavy of an arrow for that bow. Um, so uh, but but we can certainly wade into spine because you're you're touching on something very important here. Uh, yeah. but the myth we we kinda talked about was uh that there's this uh myth that exists where people think that there is a like magical number number somewhere between like four hundred and fifty and five hundred grains where you will have the most proficient uh arrow that you can possibly have out of your bow. Uh so typically uh, uh guys will uh when they're looking at uh, kinetic energy uh, out of a bow they'll or w- when, when they're looking at an energy uh, rating out of a bow it's kinetic energy and when they go online to these online calculators and they say oh like well if I'm going to shoot this if my bow is this draw weight this draw length and this IBO and I'm going to shoot an arrow that's this heavy then it's you know 75 pounds of kinetic energy and then when I uh, go up in weight the kinetic energy starts to drop. So like that, you know, wh- whatever grains it was I put in to reach that, you know, seventy-five, eighty 80 pounds, whatever kinetic energy, that's my magic number. That's where I need to be at for, for my arrow weight. The problem is, uh, and, and the calculation is correct. The problem is these IBO uh, like speed uh, calculators that predict your arrow speed don't take bow efficiency or cam efficiency into play so to make to so without getting too into the physics if you if you feel like doing that and hop <laughs> over and listen to us it's two hours of us nerding out um uh so more or less what happens is the longer time an arrow spends on the string the more energy can be transferred to the arrow instead of being wasted wasted energy is vibration noise so you'll notice sometimes if you're if you're shooting a uh, lighter arrow you know, you know and especially i'll be the first person to admit that my my old hoits were loud as sin sound like a shotgun going off <laughs> uh, um and uh and they're great bows but man on lighter arrows it's just so loud and then when i started building heavier arrows they got real quiet and that's because all of that energy is no longer being used in vibration it's being transferred to the arrow so these calculators don't take this into account when, uh, when, they're, when you're putting in the numbers for this. So uh, when they say your maximum energy is going to be an arrow around 450 grains, it's not correct. So we've done testing uh, that shows um, you are going to continue to gain energy on, uh, on arrows until you are over 20 grains per pound of draw weight or uh, of arrow weight. So what this means is every pound of draw weight that you're pulling on that bow, you need to have over 20 grains of arrow weight. So if you're shooting a 70-pound uh, a bow, you would need a 1,400-grain arrow to start to see some depleting returns and 1400 grains and it's, it's over 20 grains per pound, by the way, but I can solidly say you won't do it until 20 grains per pound. But point being, you will never like going from 450 or, you know, 500 to 600 grains. You aren't losing energy. You're losing trajectory and it may not be comfortable for you. And if it's not comfortable, then don't shoot it, but you aren't losing energy. Uh, You would have to shoot an arrow uh, way heavier than a standard arrow and than anyone would hunt with uh, to start losing energy. And a good, a good way to look at this that it's just like proof in the pudding is uh, bow fishing arrows. Uh, I don't bow fish. I really want to, if anyone lives in the Kansas city area and they want to take me bow fishing, please do. Uh, um, (laughs) But uh, your fiberglass bow fishing arrows are crazy heavy. They're like a thousand grains. Uh, um, and the reason they make them so heavy is because when an arrow hits water, it loses a ton of energy. And but really, if you're shooting, you know, ten feet away, fifteen feet away, uh, for bow fishing, you aren't worried about the speed of the arrow. Uh, so you know, the difference between you shooting a thousand grain arrow and a three hundred grain arrow doesn't particularly matter. Uh, so that's just proof, that, you know, they wouldn't be making fiberglass arrows that heavy if they didn't have to. Uh, but to uh, continue to gain energy and be able to sift through the water like that. They need to be heavier, so that's the the myth that we uh, kind of discuss discuss at length there. Um, but aerospine you mentioned is yeah. is incredibly incredibly important. So, uh, like spine is basically everything when it comes to aerosol. And uh, um, so, in extreme layman's terms, a spine rate is base arrow will flex when two pounds of weight is put on it. And there's some, it, it, it gets a little more detailed than that, but uh, more or less, if you're holding an arrow out in front of you, if you put a two pound weight in front of it, a 300 spine arrow would deflect or bend three, uh, uh, three thousandths of, of an inch. Uh, a 340 spine arrow would deflect uh, three, uh, uh, three hundred and forty thousandths of an inch, et cetera, et cetera. The only brand that is different is Carbon Express. Carbon Express flips it, and I st- I don't don't I I tried to get them to explain it to me once, and they blocked me on Facebook. Like this is a true story. Uh, so I I don't I don't know why they do it backwards, but uh, so if you're looking at Carbon Express and you're like, oh, 250 spine, that's way too stiff for me that's actually, I think, I think it's a 400 spine technically from carbon express. So I just wanted to put that out there that all spine manufacturers are the same except carbon express. And I know carbon express is a, uh, uh is a very popular company and they, they do make some good arrows. Uh, so, uh, if you're looking at carbon express arrows, just be mindful that their,
0: their spine selection is a little, uh, a little bit different. Hmm, That's pretty cool. I did not know that. Um, yeah, that's a that's a lot to take in. But man, that was a lot of that was a lot of good info there. Um, yeah. Once again, sorry, long-winded, two-hour podcast. Oh man, uh, hey, it every did, episode. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter. To me, Which I mean, I'm glad we, especially. I'm glad I said that. I didn't think nothing about it at first about spine, but it's uh, spine on your ears is uh, very important. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yep. And you can
1: you can get away with a little bit of a weaker spine than what a lot of people think you can. Uh, But when you start shooting uh, fixed blade broadheads, that's where you can run into some tuning issues. So you can shoot a weaker spine with a field point and have no issues. But the second you put your broadhead on there, uh, it's going to show every single flaw. Stiffer is better when it comes to arrow spine.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, Well, I guess, I guess we can kind of go ahead and start wrapping it up here. Um, I think, Big takeaway uh, now, if, if you're somebody new that's getting into hunting, I mean, a lot of the stuff we talked about, I mean, you pretty much, it's really all kind of need to know info, but I mean, if you, I would say the biggest takeaway is if you're getting out there and you're wanting to go hunt with a bow for the first time is biggest thing is do like Matt said, you know, get out, find you a bow that you're comfortable with and um, practice with, I would and say, pra- I mean, practice, practice, yeah. Practice, yeah.
1: practice, practice, practice oh, as practice yeah. much as you can. That's, yeah. you know, uh, like our, our buddy Shane that I just had on not too long ago, uh, you know, the statistics that he keeps track of the average shot distance on the tracks that he was on were 25 yards. And that's, you know, that's not a, it's not a long shot, but, or I mean, it's it's not a super close shot, but it's not a, it's definitely not a long shot either. 20, to 30 yards is a very typical shot in the deer hunting woods uh and you know if you you talk to most bow hunters you know right now that 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 are going to the woods this fall and say how do you feel about a 25 yard shot probably 99 percent of them will say oh yeah easy dead deer no problem no problem but the fact of the matter is that when when you get in the stand and and you see that that deer walking up to you you know buck fever takes over and And you, you forget what your name is and you pee your pants and, uh, and and you, you, you botch the shot and it happens. Like it's a, you know, the, the second I stop getting buck fever is probably when I'll, when I'll stop hunting. Uh, but, uh, so there, there's nothing, nothing wrong with, uh, with getting the shakes when, when, uh, when a good deer's walking up or any deer for that matter. Uh, Yeah. But yeah, get out there and practice. You, you, you you think everything's a slam dunk until, until it's not. So practice as much as you can.
0: Yeah, which, I mean, actually, you what you said, you know, you that adrenaline gets to pumping. That's why you, I mean, that's why you want to, I guess, get into the weeds that much. I mean, if you mm-hmm. get getting into super detail about everything about your bow, down to your arrows, down to the way the arrows are fletched, down to what kind of knocks you're using, I mean, all mm-hmm. of that. I mean, all of it makes a difference, and I mean it's it's just literally they you hear it all the time. Everybody always talks about it's a game of inches. Well, shooting yep. shooting deer with a bow, it it is it comes down to inches. So, yep, it's tough. It's a tough yeah. thing, and
1: don't let don't let anybody ever tell you like you know like I shoot a recurve, but don't let everyone, anyone ever tell you that shooting with a compound's easy or you know bow bow hunting's hard. Doesn't matter what you're bow hunting for, it's hard. Uh, especially turkeys, man. Bow hunting turkeys is the hardest thing I've ever done. Mm. Uh, but uh, um, it's 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 tough. And and the reason, one of the main reasons that you know we we started that podcast was because I didn't want people to, especially new bow hunters, to have poor uh, um, a poor experience. Especially you know if it was like their first year out, they make a bad shot on an animal or something like that, and they they get disheartened about it. Like I I wanted to alleviate that as much as I could. So but uh, uh, with all of this being said, and as technical as I get, if you don't want to get technical about it, I would rather you be in the woods and not be wrapped up in how technical it is than be sitting at home not hunting because you're worried about how technical it is. Like right. bow hunting, bow hunting should be an adventure that you enjoy. It should be something that you love to do. Uh, and I, I would, I want as many people out there in the woods as possible. And when you're comfortable then you can start making those technological advancements and the you know the 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 advancements to uh in your gear to stack the deck in your favor. But yeah,
0: get out there and hunt, bottom line. Oh yeah, definitely. It's all about having fun. And it, but once you get out there and you start having fun and you start seeing there, then you're gonna get crazy and then you'll start going into detail about how heavy your inserts are (laughs) yes yes you will yes
1: you will it's a it's a it's a disease man i tell you
0: yeah it is um all right matt man i sure do appreciate you getting on here with me and talking um yeah of course man anytime let uh let everybody know like where they can find y'all and all that good stuff
1: uh we're on Facebook, uh Lethal Podcast. Uh I think we're on in, we're on Instagram. I think it's the Lethal Podcast. We have a Twitter, but we don't use it, so don't look at that. Um uh I have a we have a website that I'm still building. It's Lethalpodcast.com. Uh don't go to it yet. Oh no, you can if you want, it's it's only like halfway built. Uh so but yeah, we're on every major iTunes or you know, every major uh um podcast provider itunes spotify stitcher uh google podcast stuff like that so um yeah you can if you if you type in leap a podcast on your uh on your podcast listening uh item of choice then we should pop up we're a little uh, slug riding a broadhead can't miss us but yeah i'm uh thanks for having me on man really appreciate it we're i'm if you have uh, if any of your listeners have any bow hunting questions please feel free to point them point them our way we uh we love to help people that's why we started it
0: awesome man yeah we sure will we'll do that